to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. So, all month, well, starting at the last Sunday of November, we, we started in on a new sermon series. It's an annual sermon series uh, that we do every year called Advent, basically, where we follow along uh, with Christian calendar celebrating the arrival of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, very simply, I've said this every week, but I want to remind you, Advent is not just a holiday. Advent defined means the arrival. And when we talk about the arrival, we're not just talking about celebrating the nativity, but we're talking about celebrating the arrival of God who is a real, living, actual person who is here in the room this morning. When we talk about celebrating Advent, we talk about gathering around the person of Jesus, celebrating the reality that though he died on the cross and was buried in a tomb, on the third day he rose again and is still alive sitting and reigning supreme in the heavenlies where we all one day will join him in the sky. That is the reminder of this season, Advent. Jesus has come, God in the flesh, and Jesus will come. That's what we're celebrating. It's not just about decorating a tree. It's about celebrating the God who chose to hang on a tree for our salvation. It's a good season. And I love that we're all nostalgic about Christmas these days. We're growing up as a church, Legacy. A lot of the staff, we have kids now, and so we do things like put a 14-foot Christmas tree in front of the TV so none of our worship team can see the lyrics. We love doing stuff like that. Today, uh, we're celebrating the Advent theme of joy. Everybody say joy. Joy. Which is going to strike you funny when you hear the title of my message, which I'll get to in a moment. But there are four Advent themes every single year, and they're always the same. They always flow uh, in the same sequence. And they are hope, peace, joy, and love. And so we're on uh, season three here episode three, uh, it's, it's about joy. So um, as we've done each week, we go to the Book of Common Prayer, to the Sunday lectionary, and we read the gospel selection together as a church. And when I say church, I'm not talking about this local church, um, lowercase c. I'm talking about the global church, capital C. There are millions and millions and millions of Christians that are reading this exact same passage from the Book of Common Prayer globally this morning. Um, And so we're joining with the global church and we're reading the exact same passage. Does that sound like fun to you guys? I know it's a little interesting. We're a charismatic church, but we're doing it with the traditional church, but we're all one body. It's one baptism. It's one Lord, as Ephesians says. We're all gathered around one person. His name is Jesus. Come on, let's stand up. We'll read together. We're going to go in our Bibles to Luke chapter 3 if you'd like to open it in your app. I'm going to read from the ESV. You can read it on the screen. But I'd like for everybody, if you don't mind, just to read it out loud. And we can do that together with with our global church family and with our local church family. Sound good? 
Now, this is a very interesting passage for Christmas time. So just prepare your hearts. I don't know if you've picking up my sarcasm just by reading the first line here, but Luke chapter three, let's get started. He says, therefore, to the crowd that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. Can we read that again? But will you mind to read it with like some vigor? All right, read it like you're talking to somebody who really gets on your last nerve, okay? He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you guys are good. That's good. That's good. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Now, everybody just say judgment. Because that sounds judgy, right? And do not begin to say for yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham. Everybody say judgment. judgment. Now, what he's saying is not false. Did God not create our first father, Adam, from the dust of the earth? God is well able to raise up sons for himself out of the stones that are scattered around Israel. Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees, and every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Everybody say judgment. judgment. This is working out well, isn't it, as a Christmas message? Listen, I don't write them. I just read them. All right? And the crowds ask him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. Some of us should read that last part again. And be content with your wages. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Here's where the joy kicks in. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. Somebody say judgment. <laughs> We're back. Uh, to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but, after, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Somebody say judgment. So with many other exhortations, he preached, get this, good news. Somebody say good news. Good news to the people. So that's the passage today. The title of the message is simply this. Good news. You're getting judgment for Christmas. 
<laughs> That's the title of the message today. Good news. You're getting judgment for Christmas. Look at your neighbor and say, is that what you asked for? Come on, let's pray together. Lord, we want to say thank you uh, for your judgments. Because if we have ears to hear and eyes to see, there's no doubt in my mind this morning that joy can be found in God's judgments. Lord, I want to personally thank you for discipline. Lord, I want to say thank you for every time you told me no. When what, what, what my flesh was saying was, yeah, I want that, I must have that, I need that, I'm not gonna survive without that, and you just said no. Didn't give me an explanation. But throughout those seasons of our lives, God, we have grown to mature, become mature, to become more like you, and we just wanna say thank you, God, for everything you told us no about in 2021. Thank you, God, for everything you withheld from us in 2021. Thank you, God, for every time you corrected us in 2021. We might not have known it at the time, but God, those were great Christmas presents. <laughs> and we just wanna say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Good news. <laughs> Did you read that whole passage of scripture? Like, hold on, wait. How are we gonna get joy out of this? Well. Now you, you know, we're connected um, in my assignment as a preacher and as a teacher. When I went to this passage, I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to need some help from the Holy Spirit this week because how in the world am I supposed to extract joy from a passage that is just so full of judgment? Judgment from God's perspective is so differently experienced than judgment from our perspective. And just like I prayed, I really do believe that if God has a word for you today, and it may not be for everybody, but it's probably for everybody because I know it's for me. I believe it's for us. And if we will fix our ears to hear what God would have to say to us, I believe that we can find joy in the midst of God's judgments. I believe that. So I turned 37 in September. I got three kids, and I'm a real dad now. I mean, like, I'm feeling it, you guys. Like, I'm a real dad. Like, I ran 15 miles yesterday. We're preparing for the marathon in January, and I almost didn't make it up state on the state. I'm like, like, everything in me is sore. You know what I mean? But, like, I'm doing all the dad stuff now. My wife bought me matching family pajamas this year. And for the first time in my life, I put those on. And I got to tell you guys, I cringed when I looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, there is no way. This just does not add up. You know what I mean? Like, this, it, I felt like disgust. You know how they say like shame, like disgust is another. It was like, ugh, ugh. I like wanted to throw up in my mouth. And then. My, my kids were like, Daddy, and they were so excited that I was in the same outfit, and I was like, and then I, then I felt joy. I was judging myself, and then I felt joy. You know? That's the whole message. That's the whole message. Um, but one of the things I've learned about getting a little bit older and becoming a little bit more mature is how much I appreciate practical 
tactical, usable gifts. Like, as a kid, I always wanted toys, right? And it didn't matter if they only lasted for 30 days or they weren't fun to play with after just a couple of weeks. But now as an adult, I don't really want any toys that'll break quickly or toys that are not practical or toys that I can't use in a year from now. I am a full-on dad now. I want tools for Christmas. Like, I bought myself a Traeger grill for Christmas, okay? Like, I want grills. I want to smoke meats. You know, I want, to, I, I, want, I want tools. I want socks and underwear. I mean, like, you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, as you get older, you're like, dude, save the chocolate in the stocking stuffers. Put some Tommy John underwear in that bad boy. You know what I'm saying? It's like, as you get older, you start wanting a little bit more practical gifts. You know what I'm saying, Papa Richter? So happy you guys are here. But, you know, if you can learn to appreciate some of these things, then you'll be able to find joy in the unexpected. You know, like when you get that unexpected gift for Christmas and you're like, eh, I don't know if this, but when you're using it a year from now, you're like, man, that was a great gift. You know, that was a great gift. And I actually think that the message today is kind of like one of those gifts where it's like, if we'll approach it with a sense of maturity and with a sense of understanding that if we'll take God's judgments onto our heart as they are given from him in truth and love, then we'll actually find that they're greatly applicable to our lives. They're incredibly useful. They're very practical. They're very tactical. And they can be used for an eternity. And so they're so much better than just a simple, at least this is the way I read it this week, a simple like holiday, mushy, gushy, cushy, lovable, huggable, nice, seven-point message, because that's not what the Bible gave me this week. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to prepare myself today not to get chocolate, but socks and underwear. So this is a socks and underwear message. This is a toolbox message for all the dads in the room. This is a Traeger grill message for all the dads in the room. What do women like this much? Vacuums. I was gonna, what were you gonna say, Bliss? Crock pots? Well, see, like, I was gonna say stuff like that, but I thought it would be offensive. But since you guys are saying it, then it's. Air fryers, is that what's popular this year? Right? An espresso machine? Hey, you have not because you ask not, all right? God is better than Santa. You might, you might as well put your request before the throne right now. Listen, God knows how to give good gifts. He knows how to give good gifts to his children. And if he's put judgment in your stocking today, well, my job is to encourage you to find joy in God's judgments. That's my job. First Peter chapter 4, verse 17 said, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. Are we going too deep, too quick? When God gets ready to judge the world, he starts with the church. And I know that's not what we like to hear as religious people because we always expect God to judge the sinners first. But the first people that God has a conversation with when it's time to bring judgment is not the sinners, but the supposed saints. 
God's judgment begins at the house of God. So as the church goes, the nation goes. I, mean, I believe that with everything in me. Proverbs chapter three, verse 11 and 12 says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. That is what God's judgments are like. So I, I wanna prepare you. Not everything might be applicable today, but for what does apply to you, I wanna encourage you, receive it. Everybody say, I'll do it. So in this passage of scripture, what we see is we see two groups of people, and for the sake of another Christmas analogy, we will call them the naughty and the nice. All right, there's two different lists, right? He's checking it twice. And there's two kinds of people here that are receiving the gift of John's ministry. So you have the repentant, and then you have the religious. So you have people, most of whom are Gentiles, not Jews, they're Gentiles, and they are looking for a path to eternal salvation. They've heard about this mysterious prophet named John who's preparing a path for the Messiah. He is preaching and he is baptizing people unto repentance in the wilderness. But you don't just have the honest and sincere, humble, hungry people looking for God. You've also got the religious people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they've come out to the wilderness not necessarily to receive John's words in their heart, but they have come out to participate in the religious rites of baptism. So I want you to notice here, if, if you can go back to the very first verse, the first verse that we read, I want you to notice something that's really interesting that is happening. I think it's verse seven. And he said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized, I want you to notice, these people were religious and they had no intent on actually receiving the word of God in their hearts, but they were willing to go through the religious routines of being baptized. Now, I don't know if that sounds like church people today at all to you, but it's interesting to me that we as Christians will come to the house of God to hear a word from God, but before we arrive, we've already predetermined what we're willing to believe. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to have your mind made up about what you know to be good, wholesome, healthy, life-giving doctrine. But when you are confronted with a word from God, God expects you to soften up, receive the seed, and let it bear fruit in your life. That is not what the religious were doing. They were coming out and they were like, okay, this guy's off his rocker, but just in case some of what he says happens to be right, I'm gonna go ahead and get baptized. Okay, this church meeting out here in the wilderness is super weird, but because it's so popular, I'm going to attend and I'm gonna get baptized so I can be in the crowd, but in my heart, I'm actually gonna hide my internal self from the word of the Lord. I, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm painting a good picture for you, but I think that's like us. Oftentimes, like we come to church, we do the religious calisthenics, you know, we lift our hands for three songs, we give in the offering, we hear the word, we go home, we've gone through the routines, but if we're honest with ourselves, oftentimes, we're like the Pharisees. We're like the Sadducees. We're like, wow, what a spectacle. That country kid up there preaching his guts out, like, what a spectacle. I'm going to go ahead and say what I agreed with, but I didn't agree with a lot. 
Now, I mean, I'm not saying that's always a bad thing, but what I'm saying is that we have to do better and open our hearts to receive true words from God, no matter how weird or awkward or crazy or, you know, dressed funny, the, the vehicle might be that brings it to us. And so John actually sees through all this religious mumbo jumbo. He's like, oh, Pharisees and Sadducees, you guys have come out because you are actually willing to go through the religious rites of letting me dunk you in the Jordan, but you are a brood of vipers. Can you imagine as a preacher, me giving a sermon filled with personal insults to people who are actually showing up to get baptized? Like, are you serious? Like, you're like, Seth, you're like waiting for the tank. You're like, I'm in line. I'm trying to get baptized. You're a viper. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Like, that is John the Baptist. Like, he's looking at the baptism line. He's like, you're a brood of vipers. Just insulting them. You're filled with poison. You're biting the people of God. You're destroying the church, right? Like he's insulting them. And then they're like, you know, kind of confused, no doubt, and, but they, they're still in line. And then he asks him another question. He says, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? How do snakes re respond to fire? They run away, right? You remember the Apostle Paul? He made the fire on the banks. What happened? A viper jumped out, bit him on the hand, should have killed him, but he was a righteous man of God. They prayed. He was healed. No problems. Shook it back off. That's how you're supposed to respond to religious demons. Just, wow. <laughs> just shake them off. Who warned you? Oh, you heard fire was coming. Oh, you heard about this fire that has been shut up in my bones as I fulfill the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. Oh, you heard about that fire burning in the wilderness like the burning bush thousands of years ago. This message that is being shared about the Messiah who is soon to come and he is gonna bring a greater baptism than what you guys are witnessing here today. It's gonna be a baptism of the spirit. My baptism will get your body wet for repentance, but his baptism is going to immerse you in, a, in the spirit, like your internal actual person is going to be immersed in the very spirit of the living God and you're gonna be transformed by him to look like him, be righteous and holy like him. That's what the Messiah is coming to bring. Who warned you? He, he's, he's almost like saying, why are you here? And, and I'm, not so, I'm not as bold as John, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not. All right, I, don't, I don't, wouldn't suppose myself to be a prophet or a preacher like John. But every now and then as a pastor, you do want to ask people those questions. Why are you here, bro? You have no intent on actually receiving the word of God. You trying to find a date? That's, that's viper behavior. You trying to impress somebody? That's viper behavior, bro. Sis, right? And that's what John is asking. He's like, he's like, why are you even here? 
You don't actually want to be transformed. You don't actually want to receive from the Messiah. You don't actually want this baptism. So he, he read right through all of the religious hypocrites that had showed up thinking, all of these people need to change, but not me. Now, I'm giving you somewhat uh, the job description of religious hypocrites. They show up without any expectation to receive. They're more so there to prove a point and communicate that they're better than everybody else. And when a word does go forth, everybody else in the room needs it, but not them. I would encourage you, as somebody who loves you, to treat every sermon you hear as though there is something embedded in it for you. I, I, I mean, I had an intern one time, and they were like, oh, that was a great word, but it wasn't for me. I was like, hold on. It was for you. Every word is for you. Every word from the scriptures is for you. It's all, it, there is something in there. But that's, that's, that's the religious hypocritical mindset. Nah, you know, it's for somebody else. Their mindset was completely fixed. They had not showed up to church teachable despite the fact that they saw God clearly moving through John the Baptist. And this is what, this is what religious hypocrites do. They do all the quote-unquote right things, but they have the wrong spirit. They'll say all the right things, but they'll create the wrong atmosphere. No, no, it's not me that needs a change. It's everybody else. They'll go through the motions, but on the inside, they have a heart that Jesus described as, you got a, you're hard-hearted, right? You remember on the boat when Jesus was explaining what it meant to not eat the leaven of the Pharisee? He was talking about religious spirits, right, which is who John was calling out in the wilderness, and he said, you don't understand the parable. Why? Because you're hard-hearted, so this is the characteristic of the religious. They have hard hearts. It's, it's, not, it's not soft. It's not malleable. It's not pliable. It's not receptive. It goes through the motions, but the heart is walled off, protected like Fort Knox. This, is, this must be hidden today, because this is like, you guys are quiet. Are you guys okay? All right, okay, okay, just checking. So the religious, they're not hard hearing, they're hard hearted. They hear the word, but they don't do the word. They hear it, but they don't listen. Romans chapter two, verse five says, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, which just means unrepentant, right? You'll never hear a religious person say they're sorry, at least not publicly and never personally. It's true. But because of your hard and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself. Everybody say judgment. judgment. On the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. <laughs> How's this for a Christmas sermon? <laughs> a hard heart, an unrepentant heart. These are the characteristics of the religious. And what John is preaching to us today, not just the Pharisees and the Sadducees thousands of years ago, is this. Your religious performance cannot save you. Let me tell this side. Your religious performance cannot deliver you. You can go through all the motions, but doing all the religious rites, it will not transform you. 
It will not purify you. I wish I could tell you coming to church was gonna transform you on a spiritual level, but only Jesus can do that. I wish I could tell you, man, if you just tithe, you know what? You'll be transformed by God on a spiritual level. But it's only Jesus that can do that, not your offerings. You can serve on a team, you can give, you can give everything to the poor, you can go out and help and do all the righteous things. And yet, if you have a hard and unrepentant heart, there is nothing, nothing that you're doing that is helping you. If anything, it's serving only to make you more religious, allowing you to sit on your high horse and judge everybody else who does not look to be as righteous as you are. Be careful with people. Be kind to people. Be loving to people, especially in church. You don't know what people are going through. You have no idea what people are going through during the Christmas season. This is the place that people are not supposed to see us going through motions, but they're supposed to feel actual, real, authentic love that comes from the Father. That's the joy that we're talking about. And so if God needs to judge us to get through to us so that we can become more like him, let me tell you, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. It might be hard, but if we have ears to hear, there'll be joy in the judgment. And that's why John's making it plain. Listen, religious performance, that's not gonna, that's not gonna save you. If you're trying to earn your salvation through good works, well, I want you to prepare yourself because God's gonna judge you. John is making it clear. Something more than religious works is required. No matter how good your best behavior is, it is still not good enough to save you. No matter how tightly you hold to religious traditions, none of them can save you. Only Advent, Jesus, Lord and Savior, can save you. That's the only person. The only way to receive the Advent of Jesus is to repent. Everybody say repent. No matter how great you believe yourself to be, you need to repent. Can I say that again? No matter how awesome you think you are, you still need to repent. No matter how righteous you believe yourself to be, you still need to repent. Why? Because you need to be fully dependent upon Jesus. You need to be fully dependent upon God's grace and not your performance to wipe away all of your sin and save your soul. That's what Jesus came to do, and that is the good news that John is talking about, but of course the religious hypocrites cannot accept this gospel, and then they double down on their defense, and what is it that the Bible tells us that they say? We have Abraham for our father. How many of you guys know that God doesn't have grandchildren? Just has children. Nobody's separated by degrees. Everybody's his kids. You're his son. You're his daughter. And they're saying, oh, no, no, no. We're, we're actually good because we're in the lineage of Abraham. Let me put it to you in a more modern way. I'm actually good because I go to the popular church. I'm, I'm actually good. Do you know who my pastor is? I go to so-and-so's church. I went to so-and-so's church. I was a part of so-and-so's organization. I was a part of, just name the laundry list of organizations. And therefore, I'm good because I served under that guy. Well, remind me where the scripture says that because of who you serve under actually causes you to become righteous. (laughs) It's deep cuts today, isn't it? (laughs) We have 
Abraham is our father. It doesn't matter where you go to church. It doesn't matter who your spiritual father is. It doesn't matter who your spiritual mother is. It doesn't matter who your pastor is. It doesn't matter who laid hands on you. It doesn't matter who prophesied over you. Here's what matters. Jesus, only Jesus. He's the only one that can save you. And if you want to receive his advent, you've got to repent of all self-reliance, self-dependency, and self-salvation. The only thing that matters is I'm in relationship with him, and that makes me his son. I'm his daughter, and that's it. This is what John is preaching in the wilderness. The advent comes for many reasons, one of which, and I'm going to enjoy saying this, destroy the religious spirit. Destroying the religious spirit. All of those tendencies that we have to keep people out who are not like us, Jesus comes to like aggressively kick open the door and like, no, I came for everybody, actually, not just you. Because like we say, hey, come as you are, but what we mean is come as we are. So Jesus, Jesus comes to just tear the veil. The advent of Jesus was so that everybody... And see, yeah, that's actually the beautiful thing about John's good news is that the judgment of the religious was not fixed. Everybody received the same invitation. Whether you're poor or pious, you're getting the same invitation. Repent, Advent is here. Jesus has arrived. His salvation is for everybody. So don't miss it because you're on your high horse. Don't miss it because... You're a leader. Don't miss it because you have a reputation. Don't miss it because you have a following. Don't miss it because you have a position. Don't miss it because you wear church robes. Don't miss it because you serve so-and-so. Don't miss it because you went to that notable church. Just be a human. I'm dependent. I ain't got this thing figured out, God. I need you. No longer will I embrace self-salvation. I receive you. You are the only one that can save me. So for Christmas, God gives us this good news through John. Jesus is here, and Jesus is bringing the heat of judgment. And I do believe if we are wise, we will receive the fire of God. Now, listen, I've never really done a ton of study on fire uh, because I'm a charismatic, and we say fire all the time. You know what I mean? Like, if you grew up in a Pentecostal church, we do things called fire tunnels. One of the things I'm realizing about fire tunnels is I'm not actually sure I want to go through a fire tunnel unless I'm ready to be judged. Because biblically, my bad, I'm taking some aim at sacred cows right now, and I feel it, and I'm sorry. But listen, if you look, even at this passage right here, Whenever John says the winnowing fork, does anybody know what that is? Is anybody a rancher in here? Like, I didn't know what this was. I had to look it up, right? So it's basically like a medieval trident. Imagine it. And like, you're picking up the hay, right? And then the chaff like is blown away from the food you're going to feed the livestock. And so everything that is not valuable or nutritious gets blown away and then it gets gathered up. And so John says he's going to gather the wheat into the barn, but all the chaff, he's going to take it and he's going to burn it with fire. Everybody say judgment. And he said, Jesus is coming to bring you a greater baptism than the one I'm giving you. And it's with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say good. Good. 
and with fire. Everybody say judgment. And so when you're asking for a baptism of fire, I'm just telling you, just be careful. Because here's what you're inviting the Holy Spirit to do. Burn up everything in you that does not bring him glory. All of your sin, all of your shame, everything you're holding back or holding onto as an idol instead of embracing the advent of Jesus, what you've done is you've taken a highlighter and you've said, right here, X marks the spot, God. Come and deal with this in my life. So when we're like, fire, be careful what you're asking for because you're inviting the Holy Spirit to search you and destroy everything that stands in the way of you and him. So it's a good thing, but it also might be a little painful because I don't know about you, but I've never stuck my hand in a fireplace, and I'm gonna keep the Christmas analogies going, and grab hold of a Yule log. That sounds painful. How many of you ever, you know, fire is so fun. It, it, you touch it, it doesn't hurt at all. No, it hurts, it burns. That's what Jesus, Jesus is bringing the heat, he's bringing the fire, he's bringing a message of judgment and of hope and of joy and of love and all of the good stuff. But to get to the good stuff, we gotta deal with the bad stuff, which is sin, which is what separates us from him. And unless we're willing to receive his advent with humility and repentance, we're not gonna be able to get to the resurrection life, the abundance of peace and joy and hope and all the good stuff that he has to bring to us because we can't hold on to the dead man and walk in resurrection life. It's not possible. And that's what the judgment is for. Judgment's actually a good thing. I, I know Jesus came to bring us good tidings of joy and judgment. They didn't put that in the song, but they should have. John chapter nine, verse 39 says, Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. That means people who pretend to know it all and have it all together and know exactly what God has to say and they've got it all figured out. God's like, I'm gonna judge you. Be careful being a spiritual know-it-all. Be careful judging other people, telling them they will or will not go to heaven. That's not your job. That's his job. Be careful pretending to know the hearts of people because God himself said, you know people by outward appearances. I know people by their hearts. You don't know people's motives. Stop judging them. That's the crap that Jesus comes to judge. But the more religious we become, the more we think we have authority to do what only Jesus can do. Is this helping anybody? Christmas time is here, and God is judging the spirit of religion. And, and even though you might not necessarily think of this as religion, um, but the mask you wear to church, you know the fake you that you come to church with? You want, you want to go a little deeper? Um, how you doing? Man, I'm blessed. Amen, brother. You're not. I mean, some people are, but like, your marriage is a disaster. You're, you're living a double life. How you doing? Man, I'm good. Praise God. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. How can I serve today? 
I don't need you in kids right now. You need to get on the altar. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, the religious mask that we wear to pretend like we're all okay. Look, Jesus didn't come for people who were pretending to be all okay. Look, Jesus cannot deliver the fake you. He can only deliver the real you. Jesus does not bless who you pretend to be. And that's all John's doing. He's like, just come honestly. Just come honestly. Because Jesus is judging all that fake garbage. And I think if we were all honest in here, we've probably had our fill of religion to the extent that we're actually welcoming of this fire. You know what, God? Purge your house. Clean up shop. Deal with my double life. Put a, put a spotlight on my sin. Search me, oh God. A broken and contrite spirit you will not despise. That's what Jesus came to do. I'm running out of time, but I just wanted to read something to you here from the Dictionary of Bible Themes. It's the definition of God's judgment, actually. You'll find a little silver lining of joy. God judges the world by identifying and condemning sin and by vindicating and rewarding the righteous. God exercises temporal judgment on the world and on his people. Final judgment will take place when Jesus Christ returns. Now, skip ahead, and I want you to look at joy in the same dictionary of Bible themes. A quality or attitude of delight and happiness, which is ultimately grounded in the work of God as Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, even when that work is judgment. Among the many situations in which joy is experienced, Scripture recognizes as supreme, get this, being accepted in the presence of God. You want joy? We have to be open to receive judgment and respond with repentance. There's so much more to this message, and to be honest with you, I, I have way too many notes. Psalm 51.12 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with what kind of a spirit? A willing spirit. A willing spirit. So here's what I'm going to ask us to do as we're closing today, guys, is I want to ask you to let, you know, this guy in the wilderness, we talked about last week, a word from the wilderness from God to our hearts, just let him look at us for a minute and let him burn up and drive away all the religious jargon and let's just be actual humans before an actual God who's actually loving and is not here to judge you as to condemn you, but he's here to point out and judge the sin that separates you from him so that you might confess it be free from it, and be united with him for all of eternity in paradise. That is the salvation that the Lord Jesus came to bring us. What does God want to bring judgment to today? And I'm not talking about bringing judgment to you, like condemning you, but how does God want to point out that which is illegally operating in your life? 
Let the judge, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, in the court of law today, if we, if we might use that illustration, point out the offender in your life, the, the thing that keeps creeping back in and destroying your harmony with the Holy Spirit, destroying the holiness that you yearn for when you cry out to God in repentance and say, again, again, I'm doing this again. I've gone through this again. Enough is enough. Let God bring judgment today to that thing. Let it be final judgment and let the fire of heaven come into your spirit and consume you to the extent that nothing is left over that God did not place there. Let's let that happen for a minute. If you don't mind, let's just stand up and as you stand, let's keep our eyes closed just for a minute because I wanna ask you, please just investigate your heart. What is, what, is God, what is God shining on today? What is he highlighting? What is he saying enough is enough? I'm tired of this thing getting in the way of us. If you've got that in your mind right now, and, and we all know where we've partnered with that thing, we all know where we've come into agreement with that thing. I'm just gonna give you a moment. I'm gonna ask you in Jesus' name to approach the throne of grace and goodness. It's the goodness and the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, knowing that he is well able to take care of that thing so that you can be united with him with greater joy, knowing that you are accepted in the presence of God. So I'm just gonna give you a minute just I'm just gonna ask you, just repent of that thing. If you don't know how to do it, just say, God, I repent for this. You don't have to say it out loud. You can speak it in your heart. I repent for allowing this distraction, for allowing this sin. I'm not talking about stuff you've done by accident. I'm talking about stuff you've done on purpose. Sin, enmity. That, that thing that pollutes, destroys, Repent. Lord, we're not coming before you today with the religious mask. We're, we're coming as, as sons and as daughters. Father, Father, help us. We want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Father, help us. You can use the fire if you need to. Holy Spirit, help us. Holy Spirit, we want you. Holy Spirit, we need you. We depend upon you. We're not here for religious rites, God. Yeah, we came to get baptized, but if there's something else that you wanna confront in us, Lord, we give you permission. We say yes and amen. God, do your work this morning. We didn't come to church by accident, and we didn't come uh, with the intention of leaving empty-handed. We came to be transformed more into your image, God. Come on, burn us with unquenchable fire if that's what you'd like to do this morning, Holy Spirit. We need a fresh baptism. We are completely dependent upon the strength of Jesus. We can't do it on our own. Enough is enough. I can't rely on myself. I can't save myself. I can't encourage myself. I need you, Holy Spirit. We ask you for a fresh baptism. The good news, the Bible says, is what John preached. The good news, the good news, the good news. That even in the fire of judgment, there's joy on the other side so long as that we'll be honest before God and receive the advent. We receive it, we receive it, we receive it. If you're here in this room and you're far from God and you need to be saved, you're like, man, I have not made a commitment to Jesus. Or perhaps you've fallen away and you just need to renew your commitment to Jesus and your relationship to him. Would you just lift your hand? I wanna pray with you right now. We're all gonna pray with you, in fact. 
We're not gonna embarrass you or call you out in front of anybody, but if that's you, just lift your hand courageously. I wanna pray. Awesome, I see you. Is there anyone else? We're all gonna pray together. I see you, great. Is there anyone else? One more chance. I see you, awesome. If that's you, just be courageous. Just know, hey, God is coming to bring judgment. I see you. Uh, God is coming to bring judgment against those things that separate me from him. So everybody just pray with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and rose again for my salvation. I confess today that you are Lord. And the Bible says, if I do so, that I am saved. Holy Spirit, fill me, baptize me for all my days. I belong to Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Awesome. Well, I hope you've been able to find some joy in the midst of one crazy Christmas message this morning. We say thank you for your word, Lord. You're always good to us and you always give us good gifts. Even if on certain days it's like socks and underwear where we were expecting Advent chocolates. Lord, whatever you give, it's always good. Can we bless the Lord one more time together? Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen. Thanks for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.